Here we are in the book of Romans, and this is the magnum opus of the Apostle Paul. Now, don't worry, I didn't know what that word meant until I went to college and one of my professors used it, but magnum opus, it's a prolific author's uh, best work. If you could only pick one thing to read from an author, uh, it'd be their magnum opus. And of all the Apostle Paul's inspired writings, uh, Romans is probably the best. And this book has been called the Constitution of Christianity. It was originally addressed to believers in Rome, and that's interesting because the message of this book is what turned the Roman Empire upside down in the first century. It was this book that gave rise to the Reformation and, and really uh, uh, pulled a lot of people out of the Roman Catholic Church, and, and many people were saved uh, through the preaching of this book. Now, of course, we are not Protestants. We are thankful to God uh, for what he did through this book of Romans in liberating a lot of people from the false teachings of the Catholic Church. And so as we, we look here at the book of Romans, uh, Paul in this very first verse, in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, he introduces us to the theme of this powerful book of the Word of God. Romans 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto, and here's the theme of the book, the gospel of God. Now this morning, I'm thankful that the gospel of God turned the first century world upside down. I'm thankful that God used it in the Reformation to rescue a lot of people from false teachings so that they could be saved. But more than anything, I'm thankful for what the gospel of God has done in my life. Because of this gospel, I have had peace in my heart since I was 10 years old. You see, I grew up in church like many of the children here this morning. I heard the truths of Scripture taught in Sunday school and taught by my parents. But if someone had asked me before I was 10 years old, Tyler, do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? I would have had to tell them no. I was scared about where I would go when I die, but I'm so thankful that when I was 10 years old, God gave me understanding of this gospel, and I prayed and trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And ever since that day, no, my life has not been perfect. No, there haven't it's not that there hasn't been some rough days throughout the years, but since that moment when I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and understood this gospel for the first time, I have had peace in my heart. And I hope that for you, if you don't have that kind of peace, that today God would give you the understanding of the gospel and you would believe it for yourself. I'm thankful that because of this gospel, I've had a glorious purpose for living. I know where I'm going. I know why I'm on this planet, and I, I know where my life is headed. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but the Apostle Paul, he says, this gospel, it, it tells us that God has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, 
whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Thank God this gospel tells me that having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I have immortality and everlasting life in Him. That I don't have to fear what lies beyond death. And that I, an unworthy sinner, and it's not according to my own worst or anything that I have done, but according to His mercy, He's given me this holy calling of preaching the gospel. And that calling is not just for men who get to stand behind a pulpit and preach this blessed book. That calling is for every single believer. And aren't you glad today that you and I have a purpose for living that goes beyond the here and now and lasts for all of eternity? Because of this gospel, I'm so thankful I'm not the man I used to be. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, he says, because of this gospel, I who was before a blasphemer who persecuted the church of God, now I'm his servant. Now I, I get to preach the gospel. I'm not the man I used to be. I am so thankful for this gospel because even though I grew up in church and had about as good an upbringing as you could get, I'm so thankful for my godly parents. I was a sinner and I am a sinner just like everybody else. And were it not for this gospel, I don't know where my life would be. And just ask my wife. She, above all people, is thankful for the gospel. Because it's hard enough to live with me with the gospel. So imagine it uh, without the gospel. So as we look at this gospel of God that turned the first century world upside down, that was the cause of the Reformation, that has made all the difference in my life and in your life, what is it about this gospel that makes it so impactful? Well, number one, as we're looking here in Romans chapter 1, if you're taking notes, this gospel, why it makes such a difference, it's good news. It's good news. The Bible word gospel, it simply means good news or glad tidings. And in Bible times, this word was often used when a messenger would be returning home from battle and would report that we got the victory. And oh, how true that is that, that Christ, having died for our sins and rose from the grave, the message that we preach is one of victory. It's like when on May 8, 1945, Winston Churchill announced that the war in Europe had officially ended. That was a day of good news. But how much better is this good news of the gospel? Now, you know as well as I that to look outside the Bible, we're hard-pressed to find good news. I just looked up this morning uh, uh, a Canadian newspaper, and I'll give you uh, some samplings of headlines that we're bombarded with on a daily basis. The big one, because this is so important. How a salary cap and expanding league contributed to 30 years without a Canadian Stanley Cup win. That's not good news. Now, I don't know why that's at the very top. I think we have more pressing issues in our world. But that's not good news. Canadian teams haven't won a World uh, Stanley Cup in 30 years. Keep scrolling. Israel-Hamas war updates. That's not good news. And we need to be praying for the situation there and, and praying for Israel. Keep scrolling. And 
Read this. Stanford suspends instructor who allegedly called out Jewish students over Israel-Hamas war. U.S. in frantic bid to avert wider Israel war as Iran warns conflict could spiral out of control. You keep going and going. Man dies in custody after Alberta RCMP fires stun gun during arrest. That's what this world has to offer us. Bad news. And aren't you glad that when you come to the house of God, it's one place where you can hear good news? Where you can hear that there is hope? That even though this world is a mess, that God is working all things together for good? This isn't just any good news. This is the best news. You could talk to every single journalist on the planet, covering stories everywhere, and you're not going to find better news than this. You could talk to the greatest psychiatrists, the greatest psychologists, the greatest philosophers, the greatest scientists, the greatest self-help gurus. We could go on and on, and you're never going to find better news than this. You could travel to the world's most prestigious universities, libraries, museums, and you're not going to find better news than the gospel. Now, some might ask, how can you make such a claim? You haven't traveled the world. You haven't visited all these universities. How do you know that that's the best news? Well, number two, if you're taking notes, it's not only good news, but this is why it's good news. It's good news from God. It's the truth. Notice our text. The end of verse 1, it says, the gospel of God. The good news of God. Verse 2, which he had promised before by his prophets. You know why this is good news that you can stake your life upon? Because it's not man's opinion. It's not something that man came up with. This wasn't something that Paul crafted on his own. And even though Paul calls this my gospel in Romans 2.16 and in Romans 16.25, he's not calling it that because he came up with it. He's saying this gospel, this good news that I got from God, it's become my own. It's like when you ask someone about their sports team. They might not own that team or have any stake in it, but you say, How's your team doing? Why? Because they're invested in it. Because they identify with it. And that's what the Apostle Paul, when he says, this is my gospel, he's saying, this gospel that God has given me, it's become my own. And Christian, can I ask you, is this gospel your gospel? Has it ever become real to you and become the uh, defining message of your life? Now some may ask, How do you know for sure that this gospel really is from God? Just because you say it is doesn't make it so. Let me share with you quickly three reasons why I know that this book is the word of God. And I'm borrowing these from from R.A. Torrey, but they're actually found in our text. The first reason why I know this good news is from God is because of the supernatural authorship of this book. It says that this gospel was promised, promised afore by his, that's God's, prophets. Now this is referring to the Old Testament, 
and all the men that God used in Old Testament times to write down his word. But you can look up in John 16, verses 12 through 13, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 13, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, 2 Peter 3, 16, and Revelation 1, verses 1 through 3. And you're going to find that the New Testament is just as much the word of God as the Old Testament. God wrote the scriptures through holy men of God, 2 Peter 1, 21 tells us. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Inspiration of God means it's God breathed that he spoke these words. How do we know that this is so? We've got 40 human penmen over a period of 1,500 plus years. And they all come together to tell one unified story. Now you tell me that, that men, you try to tell me that men could do that on their own. We could assign seven people or six or seven people to write a story this week. And we could give them each a different part of the story, the introduction, the, the main part, the conclusion. We could send them home to write the story separately. And we could come back together next Sunday and ask them to read the story. And it wouldn't make any sense. And yet God, over a period of 1,500 years, with 40 different men, wrote a single story. Only God can do that. Also, we know that fulfilled prophecy proves the supernatural authorship of the Bible. You read Isaiah 53, Micah 5-2, Daniel 9, verses 25 through 27. These are just a, a sampling of all throughout the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Christ arrived, the way he would arrive, the type of life he would live, the death he would die, it was all predicted beforehand and is verified historically. Only God can predict the future. Let me encourage you, you can trust this book and this gospel that it really is from God, not only because of the proof of its supernatural authorship, but also because of its superiority to other books. On many of our Bibles, the cover will say, Holy Bible. Of no other book in the world could we say that it is holy. What does it mean for something to be holy? It means that it's totally unique, that it's God-like, that it is from somewhere else, untainted by this world, that's what this book is, a holy book. The holiness of this book is shown in how it knows us better than we know ourselves. And it exposes our sin. That's why you can pull out a novel or you can pull out a newspaper or you can pull out another religious manuscript in public. No one gives a care. You pull out a Bible and automatically people become uncomfortable. Why? Because it's holy, and it exposes the sin of mankind. There's a reason that this book has been used in court, and people have sworn on the Bible, because it means something. It's a holy book. No other book changes men and women like this book, and transforms lives like it does. Thirdly, Another reason why we know that this good news is from God is this book's survival. 
Our text, it, it refers to this as the Holy Scriptures, the writings. Aren't you glad that we still have a copy of the Scripture that we can read today and it's intact? Just like it was originally written and it's preserved for us today? That's a miracle, folks. No other book has been attacked like this book. No other book have people tried to destroy like this book. But I'm so glad my Bible stands. And no matter what the devil has, has tried to do against it, it has stood the test of time and survived every attack made against it. This gospel, it's good news. And we can trust it because it's good news from God. But thirdly this morning, and this is why this gospel is such good news. Number three, it's good news about God's Son. It's good news about God's Son. If you look in our text, verse 2, it says of this gospel that it is, verse 3, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Christian, don't miss this. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Made of the seed of David. That means that all of the predictions, all of the promises in the Old Testament, that a deliverer was coming, that this, this seed of the woman would, would crush Satan and would deliver humanity from sin, all of those promises were fulfilled in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He was made according to the flesh. That means He took on a human body and He walked this earth like you and I. He's a real historical figure. He's not the figment of our imagination. He's not just some spiritual entity. He's a real person who walked and lived among us. No honest historian denies the existence of a man named Jesus. You cannot refute that he walked this earth. And can I tell you this morning that you cannot believe that a Jesus existed and that he only claimed to be a good teacher. If you believe that Jesus existed, here are your options. He's either the Lord who he said he was, or he's a lunatic, or he's a liar. And this world wants to say, oh yes, there was a historical Jesus, but he didn't really believe he was God. He didn't say he was God. As they say down south, hogwash. He really lived. And he claimed to be the Son of God. That's who he was. And made according to the flesh, that means that he experienced what we experience. And I don't know what you might be going through today, what might be breaking your heart, what you might be confused about, what you might be struggling with, but can I encourage you that the Lord Jesus knows what it's like to go through that? We have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And when I'm struggling and I'm weary, when I'm discouraged, I have a Savior who knows what I'm going through. And that's why this gospel is good news. That God loved us so much that He was willing to send His Son to step out of heaven 
and that Jesus was willing to become a man. Do you have any idea the humility it took for Jesus to do that? To be God and, and to have the constant praise of angels and the comfort of heaven and to forfeit that, to live on this sin-cursed planet, to become a man subject to weakness and sickness. I got the stomach flu a few weeks ago. If you've had the stomach flu, you kind of have an idea what it feels like to feel like you're going to die. It's terrible. But you know, God brought a thought to my mind that Jesus stepped out of heaven and was willing to experience that for us. He was willing to experience betrayal. He was willing to be mocked and spat upon and, and, and brutally crucified. That's why this is good news. That's how much God loves you. That he was willing to send his son to experience all of that for us. He was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, but I love this. He's declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Oh yes, he experienced what we experienced. And he lived in a human body like yours and mine, but he was totally unlike us. And he lived by the spirit of holiness. And he lived that perfect life that you and I could not live. Had Jesus Christ not come and lived a perfect life on your behalf, the moment that we transgress God's law for the first time would mean that we would be banished to hell for all of eternity. But Jesus Christ came to live the perfect life that we couldn't live. And to give us that favor with God that we so desperately need. And he gives us assurance that he is who he says he is. And that when we believe on him, we really can have everlasting life in that he was to be declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. You know why I'm confident that this good news is what's going to take me to heaven when I die and is the purpose for which I'm living? Because Christ arose. And because he's alive, I know that I can stake my life on this message. This gospel, it's good news. It's good news from God about his son. But lastly this morning, it's good news addressed to you. You look with me at verse 16. Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Everyone. Aren't you glad that the, our Bible says that God will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life? And if you're sitting here this morning... And you've never believed in this gospel. God's trying to get your attention. He's saying, this message is for you. Won't you believe in my son and receive my gift of everlasting life? This message is addressed to you. But Christian, this message isn't just for unbelievers. As we consider this glorious gospel of God, 
if we really believe this gospel, you know how it's going to show up in our lives? First, we're going to live as servants. Look at verse 1 of our text. This is how Paul, the great apostle, the greatest theologian, perhaps the greatest Christian who's ever lived, look how he refers to himself. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now our English Bible kind of tones it down a little bit. You know what that word really means? A bond slave. Someone who has no right to make their own decisions or do what they want because they're a slave to someone else. And Paul is saying, I have willfully bound myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And no, I'm not bound by chains. I'm not bound like I was before by sin. I'm bound by the very love of Christ. I'm his servant. I'm his slave. And Christian, if you and I really believe this gospel, if we really believe how much our God loves us, why wouldn't we serve him with every fiber of our being? But number two, if we really believe this gospel, we're going to be separated. Paul says, I'm not only a servant of Jesus Christ, I am separated unto the gospel of God. May I remind you this morning that the world is not the church's friend. That the Bible says that the friendship of the world is enmity against God. God says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When we believe the gospel, we are separated. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Our lives are to be totally distinct, totally unique from the world around us. When, when, when our coworkers, when our neighbors, when our classmates are feeling hopeless about what's going on around us, when they are stressed out, when they are angry, when they don't know what to do, we have a peace. We have a certainty. We are separated from the turmoil of this world by the peace we have in Christ. Christian, can I ask you, are you living a separated life? You know how that will show up? If we really believe this gospel, we're going to live as servants, separated under the gospel, and our lives are going to look like saints. If you look at verse 7, the Apostle Paul addressing these Christians and know they're not perfect and know they haven't been canonized by the Church of Rome, but to all the church, he says, you're beloved of God, called to be saints. That means holy ones. People who are different. People who look like their Savior. And if we believe this gospel, we will live as sent ones. Look with me at verse 5. The Apostle Paul says, because of this gospel, because of Christ, by him, by whom we have received, verse 5, grace and apostleship. Apostleship, that means to be a messenger, to be a representative for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. If you believe this gospel, God has called you to be a daily messenger and representative of it. And I love the heart of the Apostle Paul. 
Look at verse 15. Look at his heart. And this should be the heart of every believer. If you truly believe this gospel, this should be our heart. Verse 15. So as much as in me is, with every fiber of my being, I am ready to preach the gospel. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. I encourage you, Christian, what your classmates, what your neighbors, what your coworkers, what your family thinks of you will not matter in the day that you stand face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the only thing that's going to matter at that point? is if we lived for Him. And in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, He could return and we can stand face to face before Him. And I'm so glad for His mercy that there's still time left for me to serve Him because how many times in my life have I kept that track in my pocket? Have I kept my mouth shut and not spoken the name of my Lord because I'm ashamed? Oh, that we would be like the Apostle Paul who said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why would we be ashamed of the one who bled and died for us? If you're like me this morning, as we consider this gospel and we consider the heart of the Apostle Paul, we're convicted. I haven't been the servant I should be. I haven't been as separated to this gospel as I should be. My life hasn't always looked like a saint, and I don't always function as a sent one, and I'm not faithful to share the gospel at every opportunity. Well, can I encourage you what the Apostle Paul prayed for the Christians in Rome? And we'll conclude with this if you'll turn to chapter 15. This is what he's praying for these believers. And this is what God desires for us. Verse 13 of chapter 15. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, Christian, there's a big difference between knowing these truths in your mind and believing them in your heart. I heard one Lady put it this way in a rather crude fashion, but I love it. She said, I've heard these truths before and they've entered my head, but for the first time they came and they sat down in my heart. You know, that's what God wants for you and me, that this good news will come and sit down in our hearts and fill us with all joy and peace and believing. And you know why we fail as saints and we fail as as representatives of Christ, we're trying to preach and represent a message that we really don't believe in our hearts. And God wants to fill us with all joy and peace and believing. And then chapter 16, this is what God wants for us. Chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but, it, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. 
That's what God wants to do for you, Christian. He wants to establish you in the gospel. That every day you would open this book and you'd learn more of this good news of how much your God loves you and what a good plan he has for your life and how he wants to use you to take this message to other people whose lives it can also transform. And the more we will let this good news establish us, the more our lives will bring glory to our God. I hope this morning that you and I have been encouraged that no matter what's going on around us, we've got good news. And I hope this morning, if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you wouldn't let this good news go in one ear and out the other, but you would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And I'm praying that if you're a Christian here this morning and your, your walk with God has, has become rather flat, and there's not a lot of excitement, there's not a lot of joy, I'm praying that God would fill you with all joy and peace in believing this good news, and that he would establish you according to the gospel.